When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. It's weird that it's like because we played baseball on Thursday, it makes Friday seem a little weird. You know what I mean? Like I went, like yesterday, all day long, I just kind of felt out of sorts. And plus two, you know, I had, uh, I didn't feel well earlier this week. And so I didn't record Monday show Sunday night. And I feel like my whole week is ruined. It's like I'm such a creature of habit. I guess that's, uh, you know, being an addict, that's what I'm used to is patterns. And so I get out of uh, my normal routine, and then we have this change in baseball schedule. You know, it's one thing to cancel the Tuesday game, which we discussed on Wednesday show, but then we're playing an SEC team on Thursday. And so all day long I'm thinking, okay, tomorrow's Saturday. No, tomorrow's Friday. And so we'll have an opportunity to take a series on Friday, which seems a little bit weird. We're going to break that game down. We're going to look around the SEC. A very, very interesting night in Southeastern Conference baseball. And Mississippi State had two really good things happen uh, for the Bulldogs. As Tanner Allen said last week, anybody that thinks this season is over has lost their mind. And and already right out of the chute, you know, the very next SEC weekend, the first uh, game of the uh, – the three-game weekend around the SEC and Mississippi State takes care of business and then gets some of the help that we needed. And so uh, it's just, you know, just hang in there because uh, there are a lot of teams out there that are going to drop some games. There are going to be some teams out there that have some disappointing sweeps as well. So we're still in this thing. We've got a lot of baseball left to be played. And what, what the Bulldogs can do is just take care of what's in front of them. And this weekend – that it's the Kentucky Wildcats. And also I wanted to share with you too, I know many of you kind of keep up with uh, stuff outside of the boneyard. So on Thursday, I finalized the manuscript for uh, my newest book. You guys know that's not Mississippi State related, but uh, some of you listen to this actually like me. And so I've got a book coming out mainly of poetry here pretty soon. I'll have a release date soon. The title of the book is Blooms of Oleander. Now, if you're unaware of what Oleander is, let me give you the Cliff Notes versions. Oleander is a very beautiful bush that has some beautiful flowers, but those flowers can be poisonous, and they can kill your dog, they can make you sick. In some cases, they can be fatal to human beings. And so I had a whole bunch of kind of lover's lament poetry laying around, stuff that I'd put together over the years, and really have found a love and a renewed interest in poetry here in the last couple of years. And so I've been kind of putting some things together, kicking some things around, and I probably threw away a lot more than I published. And so I've put this book of poetry together, and there's also a short story in it that uh, I wrote after my dad died about 15 years ago. And so I've updated that story, and I'd like to think I'm a better writer than I was 15 years ago. When I went and read that story, it's like, oh my gosh, the spirit was good, the voice was good, but uh, a lot of grammatical errors and some things that I would do differently. So I have rewritten probably I don't know the first uh, thousand words of that story and that's included 
And then uh, those of you that follow me on Facebook know that I do randoms every now and again, kind of random thoughts. Many of them are inspirational, and they're kind of about recovery and kind of lessons learned in nearly 30 years of uh, recovery from chemical dependency. My sister Kim, Kim Kennedy of Kent, Mississippi, has said many times that I should have a book of randoms. Well, I'm not going to have a book of randoms, but I have a section with some of the more popular randoms for the last couple of years in the book. So you got, I don't know, I guess about 40 poems thereabout, uh, and you got some randoms, and you got a cool little short story. And so it's going to be around 15,000, 16,000 words, not quite as substantial as my previous work. All those were 75 to 80,000 word books. And so it's going to be available on in hardback, paperback, and ebook as well. And so once I get more information, I'll share that with you. And uh, we'll tweet it out, and it'll be on all my social media platforms. But uh, I'm excited about it, nervous at the same time. It's quite a departure from what I've done. And somebody asked me, because, you know, Steve, um, what would be success? Guys, if we sell 500 copies of this book, I'll be over the moon excited. Now, we, we pre-sold... <laughs> We pre-sold more than that for every book I've ever had. And so over the life of this book, if we get anywhere close to four or 500 copies, I'll be amazed. Now, based on early interest, I think we're going to surpass that. And I think it's got a chance to do really well. But uh, it is something very different for me from what you know of me. But I've written lyrics and poems for, for many, many years and written songs. And so got a lot of those things together. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that kind of uh, fulfills a need in me as a writer. It's just one of those things that I wanted to do kind of in between book cycles. I had decided to take a year off this year, and then I ended up doing this. And so that's the good thing about having that year off when you can kind of do some other things, some other projects. And I don't know if I'll take something like this on again uh, here in the next couple of years. It is a much different writing process, to say the least. But uh, a lot of people say, hey, Steve, once they find out what Oleander is, like, hey, that's a really cool title. And uh, kind of the, the premise behind that, you know, Blooms of Oleander, and I explained this in the introduction, is that what you're attracted to can often be harmful to you. And I think at some point we've all lived through that. And so I, I kind of wrote some things about that, wrote about some of my exes, wrote, just wrote about some things too that I was inspired by listening to music and that sort of stuff. And so that's the cool thing about it is uh, a lot of times, sometimes I'll mishear a lyric and I'll think, hey, that's actually pretty good. And so I'll make it my own. You know, I'll take my mistake and make it my own and then kind of build some phrasing around it and, and put a poem or a song together. And so some of that's been published. And uh, how I got the, the whole Oleander thing is I didn't know much about Oleander at all either. And so there's a rock band called Oleander, and I kind of got into them when they when they first broke in the uh, mid-late 90s, and I, I think their work here in the last few years is even better than they did back then. But I was like, where did they get this name from? What does Oleander mean? And so I did some research, and then the, when I found out exactly what Oleander was, it's almost like out of nowhere. It's like Blooms of Oleander. You know, I was like, hey, I'm going to find a way to use that, whether it be, you know, in a song or a poem or or something lyrically, and so I ended up making it the title. I thought I think it's a great metaphor for toxic relationships, but it's not all just that. I didn't just write about all that, oh, what was me stuff, you know, so uh, I think you'll dig it. I hope you do. I'll give you more information uh, kind of as we have it. If you're looking for my other books, and you darn well should be, go to alphadogsthebook.com. That's A-L-P-H-A-D-A-W-G-S, thebook.com. And you can get Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs right there. And speaking of Stark Villains, we've had a big run of Stark Villain shirts. It's uh, Some of you have reached that, and I, I want to thank uh, Crystal for wearing her Stark Villain shirt on TV right behind home plate when Mississippi State was playing because all of a sudden people started hitting me up saying, hey, where can I get one of those Stark Villain shirts? Are they still available? Well, yes, they are. 
and you can find them at starkvillains.com. And I uh, spoke to Jason. Uh, Jason's a guy that has kind of put all this stuff together for me. Uh, Jason Stoker does a great job. And we've had a recent run, and then supplies kind of ran out. They're, they've replenished all sizes and colors, and uh, so you should be good to go. Again, go to starkvillains.com today, and you can get yourself a, a Sunday black a black and white Stark Villain shirt. And I think they're really cool, and I think you guys will as well. It's basically the lettering from Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs, that same kind of distressed lettering. Uh, it's been very successful, and I uh, want to thank you guys for all the support. So now that I have uh, pitched all of my current and old products, let's get into uh, talking a little bit about some Mississippi State stuff. Brought to you by the folks at Bulldog Burger Company. Great people. Man, I, I, tell you, I love it. And there's so many people that have like seen the – bulldog burger ridgeland stuff going in the old mug shots there i'm going to have some more information on that as we get a little closer to opening that location they're going to do it right i spoke to john bean about this a couple times they're extremely excited about the location and listen what a great location it's going to be so pretty soon we'll have some information about you know openings and that sort of stuff i know some people got really excited because there were pictures online earlier this week of the bulldog burger signage going up there at that location Uh, i'm excited for them you should be as well and i'm excited for you folks there in central mississippi that only get to have bulldog burger company kind of as a treat when you come to a ball game here at mississippi state now you're going to have it right down the road how cool is that but before that location opens you need to enjoy what we have right here on university drive in stark vegas and on gloucester street there in tupelo also saw some posts on that Ridgeland location, people saying, you know what, Steve Robertson's right. Those uh, spring rolls make you better looking. I had one guy tell me that he ate the spring rolls, and he went outside and he had three ladies say, hey, where are you going, sailor? And uh, they were senior citizens. But listen, I don't put any disclaimer on this this whole rules of attraction type thing. You know, and I tell you, it makes you better looking. It makes you better looking to everybody from all walks of life. Go try it out yourself. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and Tupelo Go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk some baseball. Really excited about winning this first game. I expected to win. I expect to win this series. I think we've got a really good chance to sweep. I really think Kentucky is kind of an above-average team, and I still think we're a very good team. I think we got our pants pulled down last weekend, and I think we've responded really well. So let's kind of break down the Thursday game one win over Kentucky that ended with an 8-1 to score. One of the things that really fired me up is we came out being the aggressor right there in the first inning. We come out, try to score and uh, strike first blood and give Christian a little bit of a a cushion right out of the gate. But speaking of Christian, I tell you what, one of his better outings, and you know, he in last weekend was was dreadful. I mean, it really was. He wasn't able to land a breaking ball for a strike, and as he said in post game. He is learning to throw the breaking ball with purpose. You know, like in times past, you know, you you throw it up there and throw it for a strike just to get it in the strike zone. Well, he's throwing that thing a little bit harder, and as a result, getting a little more break out of it, get a lot more swings and misses, and that really showed tonight. Starts the ball game with a 1-2-3 inning. Only had one three-ball count, and I love to see that. I mean, it's like early in there, when, when you get out there and you start getting behind hitters early on, you start running your own pitch count up, you know you're not going to be long for the ball game. And as great as our bullpen is, we need longer starts from these starters to kind of help save those bullpen guys and make them a little more effective. And Christian certainly gave us a good start there. And Braylon Skinner 
very first pitch of the ball game when State comes up there, he rips a double down the left field line, and then we're already in business. And I like Braylon Skinner at the top of the order. I said on the show here a couple weeks ago, I didn't think we were quite ready for that. And we weren't. And we put him up there, and we had some issues. But Braylon is one of those guys, too. Number one, I like a left-hander at the top of the order. But you get him on base, you know, there's a ball in the dirt, there's a ground ball somewhere. He's very difficult to double up. You get him on base as a leadoff runner, more chances than not, you're going to put him in scoring position and have a chance to get a run home. That's exactly what happened there in the first inning. Rowdy is then hit by the pitch. So all of a sudden you got runners at first and second, and then we get a walk to Tanner Allen. So it's bases loaded, nobody out. It felt like, okay, we got a chance to blow this thing open early. Unfortunately, we don't. Uh, Cam James K swinging on a 2-2 pitch, and then Luke Hancock flies out to right field, and we're able to get the run home on a sack fly to make it one nothing. Uh, Tanner Allen, of course, got a chance to drive in another run, and uh, he grounds out to the third baseman. I really thought their third baseman played pretty well. So it's a one nothing ball game after the first. We send McLeod right back out there. He gets the first two guys and then gives up a double on a full count. And that's, that's what happens when you get in predictable counts, right? When they know you got to throw a fastball, you get in trouble. And what's the worst part about this is we're ahead in the count, 1-2, and then we end up uh, working it full and then giving up a double. It doesn't hurt us, though. We're able to get out of it. Ball was hit pretty well, but we make a play there in right. Uh, nothing doing for us in a second other than a single from Lane Forsythe. I, listen, I like this kid's makeup. I, I think we all do. Yeah, he booted the ball tonight, but uh, this is a kid. The moment has not been too big for him. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Jeffrey Ray. And for you young guys, you have to look it up. And what I mean by that is, is he just seems to be a little mature beyond his years. You know, there are a lot of guys out there that just aren't as calm, cool, and collected as this kid is. And, and that's kind of how Jeffrey was. You know, Jeff's a guy that came in here and, you know, set the hits record for us before Jake Mangum broke it. But that's kind of who it reminds me of. Smaller middle infielder guy that's pretty sure-handed, that's a bit of a dirt bag, and also, too, a guy that gets up there and can uh, spray the ball around to all fields. And Forsyth gets a single, two-out single to extend the inning. But uh, Braylon Skinner goes down swinging. McLeod goes right back out, a one, two, three inning, one full count there, and then two others where he just kind of handled business. We get into the bottom of third, we push another run across, and again, Rowdy Jordan hit by the pitch. I kind of joked around with Joel Coleman. I said, you know, it makes you wonder if maybe Rowdy hadn't been sliding into the pitcher's uh, girlfriend's DMs or something. It's almost seemed personal. Tanner Allen, K's looking, really thought we may get, maybe we get, I don't want to say squeeze is the right word. I thought it was a borderline pitch, but it's part of it. Cam James then singles to right field, and it was a beautifully executed play there. We get runners at the corners, and then there's Luke Hancock again with another sack fly that pushes the run home. Good team baseball there. You get the runner on, you work a little bit of hit and run magic, you send the runner to third, you get the sack fly. It's now a 2 nothing ball game. Cam then still second, Tanner walks, and then Josh Hatcher grounds out to the pitcher. Uh, Josh is, and I'd say I've traded some messages with several people about Josh. He, he is really a top hand hitter, man. It's like he rolls over on everything. And it's one of those things, too, you, you kind of hope you pick up on it and, uh, you know, we can correct that. I mean, it just seems like some things are just off with him mechanically. And I'm a Josh Hatcher fan. I, I really hope he turns it around, and I think he will. But uh, he went through a stretch there where he was murdering the baseball and just hitting it right at some people. And it seems like right now he's not seeing the baseball quite as well as he was. All right, so we get to the fourth. Christian still dealing. We go one, two, three there. 
and uh, he gets a weak pop-up and then strikes out two, only goes deep into one count. This is when I began to think, okay, well, we're going to get an extra inning out of Christian because he is dealing and Kentucky is really struggling to put the ball in play. We get into the fourth. We put another run on the board. And, and again, a chance for us to do a little bit more here, and we didn't do it. So DeBrule walks, works the count, and then Forsyth hit by the pitch, the third one of the night. So now we got runners on first and second. They reviewed this, and I asked Chris Lamontis about it in postgame. Uh, excuse me, I didn't. It's, it's, I asked Greg Campbell about this during the game. Basically what they were reviewing was to make sure that um, he didn't bunt the ball and then it come off the bat as a foul ball because the ball did change direction there. And it was a good call by the umpire. They review it. It's upheld. And then you got runners at first and second. And Braylon Skinner absolutely murders the baseball that looks destined for the left field gap. And, man, what a great play by the Kentucky shortstop. He goes up in skies and gets that. And we're lucky to get the runners back. We do. They uh, make a change there, and they bring in our friend uh, Kamen. We talked about him on the show on Wednesday. He's a guy whose ERA was up. I thought he pitched it pretty well. We finally got to him and got him out of the ball game. But Hagenau was like 86, 87 pitches, you know, in the top of four. I mean, the bottom of four. I mean, it just he didn't even record an out. I guess he got this, the, the line out there. But that ball was absolutely murdered, and it really felt like that he was kind of gassed out. Rowdy Jordan then comes in and flies out to center. We get the runner to third. T.A.'s hit by the pitch, the fourth of the night. Base is loaded again. Cam James works the count, gets a walk. We push a run home. And it just really felt like we had a chance to, again, break the game open. We leave them loaded. Luke Hancock strikes out. So, again, two times that we leave the bases loaded or we have an opportunity to get a big hit with the bases loaded and we just simply don't do it. Christian goes back out and really may have had his best inning of the night. Goes out in the fifth and strikes out the side. Uh, 2-2, 0-2, 0-2. I mean, just absolutely dominating the Kentucky order. Getting us exactly what we needed to get from him. And that's one of the things that's so exciting is to see a guy bounce back after a tough outing. He he didn't let that linger. Uh, Coach Foxhall's worked with him a lot in a couple bullpens this week. And Lamona said in postgame, you know, he hadn't talked to Christian all week. He lets Fox do that. You know, he didn't go sit down, have some meeting with him, trying to get his head right or anything. He just let the guys do what they do, and they responded. State threatens again there in the fifth. We don't get much going on, though. We get a leadoff walk, and then uh, Logan Tanner takes second on a wild pitch. we got a runner in scoring position with nobody out. Then we K-swing in, foul out, and then fly out. And that's the inning. Again, we get another guy in scoring position, we don't push him around. And I understand that's the game, but we have got to start getting more timely hits. And you can say, well, Steve, we won 8-1. to one. Guys, we probably should have won 12 or 13-1. to one. This is not great Kentucky pitching. And I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just telling you, as great as it was to win, kind of going away, this game could have been and should have been a lot more lopsided. Okay, so we get in the sixth, and then uh, you could tell Christian was beginning to tire just a little bit, but I like the fact that we stretched him out, got him over 90 pitches. He, he gets a couple of outs right out of the gate. Uh, we get a fly out, and we get a K swinging there. And then he gives up a, uh, a single there to left field. And then, listen, just, you know, 1-0 pitch, a guy does a good job. We get a wild pitch, and then we bounce back and get a K swinging. And so we're out of the inning. And uh, it's the long, longest outing for Christian this year. And I, I'd submit to you, I think his best outing, as great as it was against LSU, and I think you know the luster of that season opening series win 
it's probably been diminished a little bit because LSU is really struggling, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But I thought he was really good, and he needed to get a good start to kind of get the weekend off on the right foot and give us a bit of a palate cleanser. And so Christian answers the bell. It's a great job. Now in the seventh, uh, let me back up. We're at bottom of six here. Excuse me, I'm getting too excited. Uh, Braylon Skinner works a count and then flies out to center field. And you know what? If it's a warm day, it's probably a home run. He has power to center. Probably need to work with him on a little point of contact stuff where he can pull that ball more in that right center field gap. Uh, Rowdy Jordan then hits a home run that kind of leaked over the fence. And right for a second, I thought it was going to be robbed. It wasn't. First pitch he sees, he blasts over the right field. And Rowdy needs that. Rowdy needs to get going. Tanner Allen then grounds out. Cam James grounds out. But now it's a 4 nothing ball game. And it really felt like we were dominating the ball game. Now, rather than just kind of close them out, we did kind of do some things in the seventh to, to kind of prolong the inning. We bring in Brandon Smith. Uh, and I thought Brandon struggled a little bit last week. I thought his stuff was good tonight. He did have trouble at times finishing hitters, but I don't, I'm not worried about Brandon Smith. Uh, Brandon Smith's one of my favorite players on the team. That kid's got a lot of dog in him. So we come in and we get a ground out, and then there is a fielding error. It's one of those balls where in the shift, and a lot of people are so critical of the shift. The shift works the majority of the time. This, this had nothing to do with the shift. Matter of fact, if we weren't in the shift, this thing is just a clean single. Um, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. But, yeah, this is the one, too, if I remember correctly. Uh, we hit a, basically a routine ground ball to short, and we were shifted up the middle there uh, because of a right-hand hitter. But we get a ground ball to short, and it's a routine play, and Forsyth just can't make it. And, you know, it's just one of those things. I don't know if it goes off the heel of his glove or not. But we didn't make the play. And uh, not going to excuse it. He'll tell you he should have made it. Chris Lamontis will tell you he should have made it. You all know he should have made it. He didn't. The next guy, we get a case winging. And so now it's two outs, and we should be out of the inning. Then there is the infield hit. We're in the shift there. And it was just one of those bad luck things. And, uh, you know, there's no play to be made. We, we flag it down, but we just can't make a play there. Then what do we do? We walk a guy. And it just seemed like Brandon maybe, maybe, wasn't 100%, but he responds, and uh, we get out of the deal with a fly out. But uh, we give up a run there on a wild pitch, and that's one of those things, too, that just can't happen. And there are a couple things I'll say about that, about that wild pitch. There are two people here that, that, that didn't do what they should have done, and I'm just going to call it how, it how it is. So we have the wild pitch from Brandon Smith on a 3-1 count. I really thought that Logan Tanner probably should have had a little more urgency there because uh, Collette basically just kind of Cadillac'd it down the third baseline. If we show a little more urgency there because Brandon Smith was there to cover, we're going to get him at the plate. He did not sprint down the line, and we, we basically gifted them the run on the wild pitch and coupled it with the fact that uh, we didn't really kind of get back there. And as a former catcher, I'll tell you, I, I wouldn't have been able to get away with that. And so I know a lot of times you kind of give up on it because you expect the guy to be sprinting down the line. Under normal circumstances, he would have made it. But if Logan Tanner gets there and looks, we're going to throw Collette out at the plate. We didn't. We move on. Still a 4-1 ball game. We get into the bottom of seven. They bring in Rigsby. Uh, and I thought he was pretty good, to be honest with you. We get a ground out and a fly out and a K swing and just not much going on there. And it gave them a chance to kind of hold the game in place. 
Uh, Ritter singles and then Schultz strikes out looking and then a new reaches on a fielder's choice. It's one of those things, too, that, um, you know, we kind of blew it. You know, we had, um, you know, we had an opportunity to make a play there. And, uh, yeah, I just thought that the ball was hit quite hard enough and it's going to be kind of a tough turn there at second. But Brandon Smith tries to make good on it and actually picks a new off at first base. They review it, and we just didn't get the tag down in time. I think everybody was a little bit surprised because Anu was actually kind of just getting off the bag and getting the lead. And uh, Smitty throws in there, and Hatcher just just couldn't get the tag down quick enough. You know, it's just one of those things I think, it, again, kind of surprised everybody. Then we give up a walk, and we decide to bring in Houston Harding to face Collette, who has eight bombs on the year. So now all of a sudden it's a lefty-lefty matchup, and the splits just don't work in his favor. You know, if you leave Brandon Smith out there with a couple runners on board in a 4-1 ball game, and uh, Collette, who is a guy that's capable of hitting long ball, all of a sudden you've got the time to run at the plate and the righty-lefty matchup. And so I thought we managed it really well, uh, despite the fact that we basically gifted them some, some extra outs in this ball game. But Houston Harding comes in, just has the one guy, you know, matches up and gets a ground out to second on two pitches, and we're out of the inning. We go right back to work there in, in the eighth and put the game away. And this is what good teams do. We, we had some killer instinct. Despite the fact that we had dominated the game, we still were had a situation where the time run was in the plate in the uh, top half of the inning. And we found a way to go ahead and put this thing away. So let's break it down here for you. And DeBrule comes out there, gets an infield single, and there was no play to be made. It was really a well-placed ball there basically in the sixth hole. Third and third baseman and shortstop both kind of crashed there. And they met the shortstop makes the play, but there's no throw to be had. Forsyth then grounds uh, the bunt down. You get a great bunt down from him, and he nearly beats it out. And that's one of the things I love those guys that don't concede the sack bunt. A lot of people that say, okay, well, let's just get the bunt down. Listen, I always told my guys, we're going to try to bunt for a hit here. Yeah, we want to move the runner, but we want to try to get another guy on base if we can, then we'll bunt again, right? and move everybody in a scoring position. Ben Forsyth gets down the line and nearly beats it out. Skinner then reaches on a fielding error. You know, ground ball to third, goes right through the wickets. And then we go right back to it. We hit a hard ball to shortstop, and then he boots it and the run scores. Now it's 5-1. T.A. walks. Now the bases are loaded again. So, again, we have the bases loaded with the heart of the order coming up. In our previous two opportunities, we didn't cash in. This time we absolutely do. Cam James steps into one and just crushes it in the gap in the left center. Uh, all three runners score to make it an 8-1 ball game. Now you've got Cam at second and uh, less than two outs. We get a walk to Hancock. He has walked now 23 times, which is nearly double any player at the University of Kentucky. It's ridiculous to think that Luke Hancock leads Mississippi State in home runs and walks. And then Logan Tanner fouls out to the shortstop and Josh Hatcher fouls out to the third baseman. This is where we've got to be getting fat, guys. Okay. When you look at that five, six, seven with Hancock, Logan Tanner, Josh Hatcher, there is home run power kind of hiding in those spots. Those are RBI opportunities, and all those guys have a chance to to you know to hit balls in gaps and you know to, to really power the ball around the field. These aren't punching Judy hitters. These are guys that are should be and can be game changers. And so five, six, seven's got to pick it up. Luke if we had a good ball game, drove in a couple runs on some RBIs. But the guys behind them have got to do more to protect them. 
And this is, again, another situation. To forget the fact that it's an 8-1 ball game. you got two runners on with less than two outs, and we don't even advance those guys uh, a base. And we have two basically non-productive outs, a couple of foul outs. And, listen, some of that's going to happen, you know, when we have guys that are, you know, biting on change-ups early in counts. You're going to pop balls up. But we've got to be more disciplined as hitters. Come out in the ninth and uh, bring in Stone Simmons, and it took a while for Stone to kind of find the strike zone. And it's frustrating. You know, it's like you're trying to give a guy to win a job here, and he comes out, and, you know, the first thing you got to do is throw strikes if you're a relief guy. Because you've got a seven-run lead here in the ninth. There's no seven or eight-run home runs. You just go out there and pound the strike zone. you got seven guys behind you with gloves on. Let them go make plays for you. And so they have a pinch hitter come in. We immediately get down in the count. Uh, 2-0. We finally get a foul back, and to be honest with you, that was a ball too. I think it was just a fastball up. We thought he could handle it in a 2-0 count. A little bit of undisciplined swing there, and then we walk him. And then Kessler singles to second base, and uh, it was just incredible to think about this. Again, that's a 2-2 count. There's a ball. He fouls one off that was also a ball, then another ball, and then he fouls one off, and then he gets the infield hit. So through two batters, we had not thrown a legitimate strike. I know what the count says, but we had not pounded his own. We had some help from the Kentucky hitters that were uh, just trying to make something happen. But then Stone settles down. He, he really settles down. We get a case swing of church. We get Estep to strike out and then get Ritter to ground out, and the game's over. But in that situation, I mean, if, if we can't trust you to come out and throw strikes with a seven-run lead, what are we going to do when it's a two-run lead? And so those are things that just kind of you know, tie you up a notch a little bit. It's like, you know what, this is a chance to get some work. And the last thing you can do is go out there and start walking guys. I would rather you go out there and give up a solo home run to the first guy on the first pitch and get out there and walk a guy. You go challenge a guy, and if they hit one out of the ballpark, you know what, we're still up six. You've got to go out there and challenge hitters. So that part was kind of disappointing. It took him a little time to find it. But once he did, he did shut him down. And I do think Stone Simmons is going to be very good for us. All right, let's look around the SEC. As you guys know, State wins 8-1. to one. Most of the league is in action on Thursday. There will be a couple of series that do begin on Friday. Uh, State, of course, 8-1. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members. and You can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. You got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. 
Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Winners over Kentucky in, in a major upset. Auburn beats Arkansas in Fayetteville 2-1. to one. Maybe that official Arkansas Razorback uh, social media person is reaping a little karma right now, right? It's so crazy. Listen, I understand some exuberance, but uh, that was a little bit ridiculous last weekend. I mean, there's no point in these official accounts. It's one thing to be funny. It's nothing to be smug and, and sarcastic. And so I, I've got no love loss for any of that. But Auburn goes in there and takes the game. And uh, let me look at some of these numbers for you. I mean, because I haven't had a chance to look at this. We'll learn together. You know, State struggled with Arkansas uh, hitting-wise. You know, we really struggled. Arkansas held the four hits. And then Arkansas commits three errors on the night. Uh, Auburn scores a run in the third, one in the fourth. They're up 2 nothing, And then Florida scores – excuse me, Arkansas scores a run in the bottom of four. And then Auburn pitching made it stand up. Looking at the guys that had the hits uh, for – for Arkansas, Brandon Webb, who homered against us, had one hit and a run in RBI, so clearly he had a solo home run, another one of those. Uh, Wallace had a couple of hits for them. That's uh, our students' favorite player, two for four. Christian Franklin, 0 for three. They had a pinch hitter that got a hit late. But Auburn pitching was the story. Uh, Greenhill, who seemed like he's been there forever, went seven innings, allowed three hits, one run, and it was earned, and it was a solo home run to Webb. He did hit one against us as well. They bring in Skipper, who goes an inning and allows a hit, and then Barnett, the closer, comes in and gets a save. Wicklander takes a loss. Uh, they do bring Cops in, and it looks like they've burned him for the weekend. He goes uh, three innings for three innings of work, has eight Ks, faces 12 hitters. He's probably done for the weekend. So now Arkansas has uh, used their best reliever and uh, on the Friday night game. And so it's crazy to think how things happen. Again, it's a long season. And this is the SEC, okay? This isn't the Bad News Bears. Everybody's capable of beating everybody on one night. But it's incredible to think that Auburn, a team that had been winless in the league, and it was 11-11 overall, goes to Fayetteville and takes game one from the number two team in the country. So good on you, Butch Thompson. We're proud of you, and we thank you because we needed them to drop a game. Vanderbilt goes into Baton Rouge and absolutely embarrasses LSU. I can only begin to imagine how Paul Maneri must feel right now. And you may have seen his comments. Uh, it was tweeted out earlier today is that uh, Jacques Doucet, I guess, uh, of WBRZ tweets out that Paul Maneri was upset about some calls at Tennessee and upset about the fans at Tennessee. And I'm thinking to myself, it, isn't this rich? LSU, and I lived there for 16 years, so I'm speaking with authority, and some of these people are my friends LSU has the most vicious fan base in the Southeastern Conference and perhaps a country. 
it is very malicious. It is not always just friendly ribbing. There are some people down there, of course, that uh, you come by their tailgate and they'll give you five pounds of jambalaya to take home to your family. A lot of great people down in South Louisiana, man. I love them. I had a great time. I lived down there. But when you go to LSU, people have been drinking a little bit and they love a tiger. Sometimes they don't have a filter. And so it's interesting to hear Paul Maneri gripe about fans when he has benefited from the same thing in Baton Rouge for years and years and years and years and years. So LSU hosts Vanderbilt, and we talked about this earlier in the week, is, you know, LSU has really struggled one and five in the league, and then they got to get rich against Vanderbilt. Tough luck with that. Vanderbilt absolutely blasts them 13 to one. LSU also changed up their weekend rotation, and I don't fully appreciate why they did. The only pulmonary knows for sure but uh, they elect to start Landon Marceau instead of Hill, and he gets shelled. Marceau had been so good for the last two years. Guys, nine runs on nine hits, eight of them earned, and just the three Ks and two walks, he goes uh, five and a third innings. Uh, Kumar Rocker goes six innings and uh, did a good job, four hits, one run, eight Ks, no walks. But they absolutely blast him. I can only begin to imagine what they're feeling in Baton Rouge right now. I may go over and read the message board later. Here's the box score, for the line from uh, Vanderbilt. 13 runs on 17 hits, zero errors. It's incredible to think about that. 13. Uh, Trey Morgan, a guy that they uh, they have moved to lead off, and I don't know why they do that. And uh, Paul, only Paul Maneri would know better than I, but uh, – Trey Morgan, a very talented defender. He is not a leadoff hitter. He cannot lay off that fastball above his hands. He goes one for four with three strikeouts tonight. It's ridiculous to look at these numbers for LSU. You know they are a launch angle team. You know they're a team that's got to hit home runs. They have four guys get one hit tonight. Uh, Dugas, who's the one that got us 0 for 3. K. Doty, who was very, very hot earlier, and they don't beat Texas San Antonio without him. He's 0 for 3. Uh, Cade Belasso, who's monkey has been there forever, 0 for 3, now hitting a crisp 212. 212. Crazy to think about. Uh, and LSU's got, what, three starters that are hitting in the 100s. It's ridiculous, man. And so, again, Vanderbilt goes in there, embarrasses LSU. We need LSU to take a game for Vanderbilt if they can do it. But at this point, I just don't know. I mean, it's like I didn't expect LSU to go to Tennessee and get swept. I picked Tennessee to win that series. I thought for sure LSU would scratch out, you know, maybe a pitcher's duel type game. They didn't do it. And so they're going to start pressing. Listen, I understand it's a young team. They're going to get better as the year goes on. We really need them to get better uh, when they play LSU and Arkansas and Ole Miss because we need those guys to take a game, at least get a split. We don't need anybody going up three games. But LSU is in trouble. Texas A&M goes to Missouri and wins 16-2. to Missouri is awful. I don't know if you guys have watched them when they played Vanderbilt on, on ESPN here a couple weeks ago um, or last week. Mizzou, just, they can't field it. They can't pitch it. Uh, and you would say, well, you know, n- nobody can hit really well against Vanderbilt, and that's true. But then they go up there today and 16-2, uh, to and A&M is a pretty mediocre team. They're basically an average SEC team. I mentioned to you guys earlier that there were two big things that happened for Mississippi State around the league. The second one is Florida. Takes down Ole Miss 4-1. to one. That's big. And listen, Florida's a good team. Forget the record, okay? That team is loaded with prospects. Uh, they're going to get it figured out. They're going to run some interference for us, too. They're going to put some losses on some teams that we need. 
They do that tonight against Ole Miss, and I know you absolutely hate to see it, but as Dave Chappelle said, but at the same time, you love to see it. Uh, Florida jumps out early with a one nothing lead. Ole Miss ties it in the top of three. Florida immediately answers back in the bottom of four to make it a 2-1 ball game. And then in the eighth, they did what great teams do. They added insurance runs. Uh, looking at these numbers, Ole Miss, just four hits on the night, also committed three errors. Uh, kind of uncharacteristic for them. They've been a very good defensive team. Uh, looking through the Ole Miss order here, again, they scatter four hits uh, throughout the lineup. You know, looking at uh, Graham here, uh, one for four with three Ks. That's tough. Uh, Justin Bench, uh, the long-lost son of Johnny Bench. It's an inside joke. 0 for four, two Ks. And this is a good offensive lineup for Ole Miss. It really is. And so Florida changes things up a little bit. Uh, you know, rather than uh, – throw mace tonight they threw one of their relievers or closer Alleman, and he goes four innings and so sully's trying to change things up there because you know these is that they've had an opportunity to get some leads and old mess has been a team that has struggled offensively early in ball games and so they flip-flop and they throw the closer and he goes four innings and then they bring in a starter so they go to an opener and a starter and it works to perfection they take game one uh, from Ole Miss, and I will not be the least bit surprised to see Florida take this series. I, I won't be, because I think Florida's very talented, and it's, and it's a difficult place to go play. Uh, if you've never been down there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It is a difficult place to go win at Florida. Uh, so much talent in that lineup, uh, to say the least. But uh, Hoglin goes six innings and uh, pitches well enough to win. Three hits, two run, only one of them earned five Ks, three walks. Uh, face 24 hitters and so when you put a you put a win on him uh you've done a pretty good job there so uh you know strike up the gators now all those teams will be back in action today and so we're missing a couple guys right you say well you know steve you you didn't talk about everybody yes yeah, because we've got two series that are going to run friday saturday and sunday so let's look at that real quick kind of give you a quick preview of that south carolina will be at georgia that's a 6 p.m game and then Tennessee is at Alabama, and Tennessee, of course, rolling really well. Tony Vitolo, I think, is uh, is probably not long for Knoxville. That guy's a great coach. That guy recruits well. That guy develops pitchers. He is going to get a big-time job. Tennessee is not a big-time job, not in baseball. It's just not. They're not as committed to baseball as most of the league are. So, Tony uh, did a great job there at Tennessee, and, and listen, I think he's worked his way into a big-time job, whether it be Texas, Texas A&M, or somebody else. He is going to be a name – that is going to be connected with major jobs as they come open. So those are the series you're looking at. Of course, State is going to play uh, on the SEC network. Everybody else is on plus. We're going to be 6 p.m. Kentucky at Mississippi State from Dirty Noble Field. Uh, Listen, we want you to be here. Okay, we do. I know know many of you are thinking, well, Steve, we're going to be traveling, going to Easter. You know, one of the things that I'll say, I'm not going to gripe at you. I'm just going to encourage you. You know, one of the things that I've read, so many people say, oh, we want to go to a game. We can't get to a game. And so we've opened things up. We opened the full grandstand up. And now this weekend we're opening up a left field lounge so people can kind of walk around somewhat impeded and have more of what we've had in the past. And we're getting more and more and more. And we talked about that on the show once Tate Reeves made the announcement that I hate to use the term phases, but they kind of ramp this thing up. It's like, okay, let's get back. We'll do the grandstand. Then we'll open up more general admission student tickets. Then we'll do that again. 
And now we're getting ready to take those barricades down to kind of allow more concourse and foot, uh, foot traffic out in the left field lounge. And so each week we're getting more and more back. And so we should see less and less complaining. But that's not that that really hadn't been the case. And so, you know, I understand it's Easter weekend, but if you can, let's be here because, listen, we need to go win this weekend. We do. And the dude effect needs to be a big part of things. The Easter Bunny can wait. He can. I saw a funny meme earlier. I don't remember who, who had it. I think it was Paige Watson. I think. I think she had it. And it's, uh, it's a picture of the Easter Bunny. It says, uh, you know, he comes once a year, and he doesn't watch your kids while they're sleeping, and he doesn't try to kiss your wife. You know what? I think I'm Team Easter Bunny. All right, let's uh, get to the top ten list. We have a new sponsor for the top ten list. It's Johnny Packer Eyewear. You guys can go check them out at johnnypacker.com. So, as they say on their website, it is Hollywood flair. Excuse me, it's Hollywood style with a little golden triangle flair. And a portion of every purchase donated directly to Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Uh, I have a heart for CF uh, people because when I worked for Hollygmeyer's Furniture, we had a big CF fundraiser every single year, but it was very competitive, and we raised a ton of money. Uh, matter of fact, Hollygmeyer's Furniture used to be the largest contributor, charitable contributor to the Cystic Vibrosis Foundation, and so I'm very familiar with that. Uh, you guys are well aware, if you know uh, John C. Packer, he is a guy that has struggled with that and uh, has gone on to live a pretty good life, man. I mean, it's been great. And so Johnny Packer Eyewear at johnnypacker.com. And what's cool about it, too, is this is all Mississippi-related, okay? This is not just cheap sunglasses you find at a gas station. Uh, there are different frames named after different Mississippi towns. you got the Biloxi, you got the Bogachetta. Uh, Greenwood and Gulfport are actually sold out, so you guys are doing well. And those are really cool-looking glasses. you got Hattiesburg, Madison, Macomb, Natchez. And so you kind of get the, 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 the gist of things there. And these are quality items, okay? This is not one of these situations where everybody's just trying to get over with you. Uh, all fl- frames and lenses made from high quality, uh, great materials. And so they use grade A Italian acetate and German and Japanese riveted hinges. So this is not one of these things where you just buy some gas uh, gas station sunglasses and hope for the best. These come with a one-year breakage warranty. That warranty includes anything related to general wear and tear of the frame. If your dog eats it or you run over it with your car, don't ask them to replace it. But if anything else happens, like if it's basically any defects or craftsmanship, they'll get you taken care of. All right, so check it out today, johnnypacker.com. And listen, these are bulldogs that are running this business, and you guys know how I feel about that. I think when we can, we need to support bulldog businesses. If it was up to me, that should be on business cards. You know what I'm saying? Because I want to do business with bulldogs. And so... Uh, johnnypacker.com Johnny Packer Eyewear the two people involved in this production Mississippi State people alright so today's top 10 list brought to you again by johnnypacker.com I cannot remember who made this request so I apologize but when they made this request my eyes kind of lit up and I said how did I forget this one today's top 10 list is going to be Kid Rock uh, I like Kid Rock. I like his music. I don't. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know about the rest of it. You know, I don't really keep up. I don't go look at people's social media and kind of figure out what they're doing with their lives. But uh, I like to be entertained, and Kid Rock is very entertaining. So we're going to do a top ten Kid Rock songs. And listen, Kid Rock, a lot. A lot of his stuff is just good time and music. 
But there's some other t- tunes that are pretty um, emotional, shall we say, and uh, you know they kind of a little introspective. And, and a couple of these songs, I'll be honest with you, that uh, they strike a chord with me. So I've got a top ten list here. There are many of you that I know that are huge Kid Rock fans that go see him. There is a group in Mississippi. I know my friend Shane Smith is part of this, this little Kid Rock group. And anytime he comes within, you know, four or 500 miles, he's in the car going to see Kid Rock play. He just, he loves it. Has met Kid Rock several times and I think even hung out with him after a show. And so I know there are many of you that are huge Kid Rock fans. I believe I had done a good job with this list. Because it's not just the hits. But it's mostly the hits. There are a few songs in here that uh, maybe didn't do well on the charts that, that are still very, very good songs. So here we go. Top 10 Kid Rock songs. My first one, number 10, the first song I ever heard from Kid Rock, and I wasn't sure what to make of it, but it's I Am The Bull God. And that's the first single off the very first album. Number nine, a song that is near and dear to our hearts. And I understand that uh, it was written about a girl from our capital city. And it's Jackson, Mississippi. Like a river running through my veins. But uh, I understand that Kid Rock had a really good time one night in Jackson, Mississippi. And wrote a song about a girl. All right, number eight is uh, Cowboy. And, uh, you know, rest in peace, Joe C. Cowboy is kind of a cool song, too. Uh, one of the things, I, I, I kind of adopted that song. I used to always make fun of these guys, these uh, keyboard cowboys, as I call them. People in our industry, they don't get out and go do anything, but expect to be taken seriously. They just kind of ride the keyboard all day and want you to accept what they say is, is fact. And so I used to tweet out that GIF or I would post a video and people didn't understand that was an inside joke with myself. But cowboy, because I want to be a cowboy, baby. Uh, number seven, Born Free. And that, that's one that hit a few years ago and people absolutely love that song. Um, and that's kind of how I feel too. And I live free. Number six, a huge hit and it's uh, basically... I guess they got permission to use it, but uh, it's all summer long, and it's set to the tune of Werewolves of London by Warren Zevon. But this was a huge hit for Kid Rock, and maybe it's because of the familiarity with the rhythm and uh, the tune behind it, which kind of made it kind of... uh, It's not even like a cover song, but it's just kind of interesting to put different lyrics over songs that we're familiar with. Does that make sense? Number five, this is one of my favorite Kid Rock songs, and probably some days you could probably talk me into this being my favorite Kid Rock song. It reminds me of growing up in small town Mississippi. And the song is uh, the title track off the album First Kiss. The video is great, but it reminds me of being a kid and uh, riding around Main Street in Columbia. That's what we used to do, and I'm sure it was like that in small town everywhere. You know, we didn't have any money, we had nowhere to go. But we had just enough to put uh, three or four dollars gas in the car and ride around all night and look at girls. And so that's so what we did. We'd get in our car and we'd ride around town. And it's where you met your friends and where you met new friends and, you know, where you fist fought and everything else. But we would ride around town. And so that's what that song reminds me of. It's just growing up in South Mississippi and it's Friday nights, you know, kind of riding around. And like in Columbia, a little small town of Columbia, a lot of times we'd go over to Hattiesburg and then get back and see who all was in town and, You'd have all these uh, girls from the country, you know, all these girls from Prentice and Foxworth and Improve and Darbin and Lumberton and Baxterville and Bassfield. They'd all come to Columbia to come hang out for some reason, and we were glad they did. God bless them. 
Number four, this was a massive hit for Kid Rock and was kind of a crossover hit for him and I think in many ways kind of legitimized him as a musician. I think a lot of people you know, kind of thought he was a bit of a novelty act early on of that first album. But uh, the duet he did with Sheryl Crow, Picture, and it is a very, very, very well-written song. And I, I love the I like Sheryl Crow's part the best. But I love the part when... Um, you know, later in the song, where they're they're kind of going back and forth, and she says, "I was headed to church," and he says, "I was off to drink you away." And and we at some point we have all been there. And uh, I think it's a great song. I think it's a very sad song, but you know, I think because of the lovers' lament aspect of this, everybody can relate to this. So that's picture with Cheryl Crow. Number three, and I'll be honest with you, I'm going to be honest with you guys. There there have been times in my life when I have heard this song that it has brought tears to my eyes. And I think a lot of it's just because, you know, we stay so busy sometimes and uh, spend a lot of time on the road and a lot of time away from family. And, and sometimes I stay so busy, sometimes I, I I neglect a lot of people that are close to me. And so, but anyway, so it's it's only God knows why. And it's like I think about all the things that I've been through in life and uh, it makes me grateful for where I am today. But uh, this is a very emotional song. It is for me, anyway. I know other people listen to it, and they think, oh, it's no big deal. It's a big deal to me. I mean, it really is. I love the song, and uh, it's just one of those things that stirs up a lot of emotion in me. Uh, number two, I'm not going to give the full name of the song because this is a family show, and I know there are a lot of kids that listen. But it is American Bad You Know What, right? And it's set to a Metallica track, Sad But True, Kind of like that Warren Zevon album song, right? And so it's with that Twisted Brown Trucker, the band. But this is one of those songs that just absolutely rocks. But number one, and I don't know that it could be anything else, but it's Ball With A Ball. And people say, well, Steve, what did you just say? It's Ball With A Ball, the bang, the bang. I can't remember the rest of it. You have to forgive me. It's late at night. Uh, but up comes the boogie. So... And I've tried to get Bart Gregory to say that on the air. So you guys don't know this. Bart Gregory and I are great friends. And uh, I do. I love Bart to death. I really do. And uh, I wouldn't help him move. I don't love him that much. But I do. I love being able to hang out and kind of recreate with him before ball games. We get a chance to talk. And sometimes I'll dare him. I'll dare you to say this on the air. And sometimes he does. Like the whole, uh, now Dustin Skelton wants the big piece of chicken. You know, that, that, that was me. And then the other day, he came up with one about the center biscuit. And if you're from Mississippi, you kind of know how important that center biscuit is in the pan. But he, we were joking the other day about him saying, and up comes the boogie on a broadcast. And so maybe maybe we can kind of guilt him into it. I would encourage you guys to tweet him. Let's put some positive peer pressure on Bart Gregory to use up comes the boogie on a broadcast because I think it would be hilarious but it is basically an homage to the song Ball with a Ball by Kid Rock love Bart to death man what a great guy I'm so glad to know him I'm glad he's a friend he, and he is probably the only person that I know from Nanawaya so there you go that's the top 10 list if you've got an idea for the top 10 list and many of you do we've had a lot of suggestions here as of late I'm going to do my best to get to all of them uh, some really good ones too like a lot of times people bring up a band I've already done so I'll just send you guys a list but I've had some people say, hey, Steve, what if we did this? What if we did this? And so I like those category-type deals. I love doing bands uh, because we all have a favorite song. I was joking around in the press box tonight, and I said, hey, what's your favorite BG song? 
And then some people would walk up and, and like they weren't even part of the conversation. And I would say, hey, I got an important question to ask you. And like, what's that? What's your favorite BG song? Oh, I don't have one. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Don't sit here and lie to me. Yes, you do. And of course, people start checking their phones like, oh, yeah, stay alive. Okay. Yeah. Listen, young buck, get, get some knowledge. Okay. Get some days under your belt. So we enjoy talking music. And so if you have ideas, reach out, let me know. I'm on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. All right, Campus Bookmark. I was there last weekend and uh, spent some coin while I was there. Got a couple of uh, black MSU baseball jerseys for my boys and uh, bought my daughter-in-law a couple of Mississippi State shirts and then uh, bought my granddaughter a nice little maroon hat to keep the sun out of her eyes while she was at the ball game last weekend. Now, you may not have a family as big as mine. Maybe you only got one person to buy for, and maybe that person is you. I think you owe it to yourself to get some new Mississippi State gear. Freshen what you have. I know you say, well, you know, Steve, all I have is maroon. You know what? You deserve some more. So if you can't make it to town and see Stan Ray and the whole crew there, stop by campusbookmart.net. You can shop online there, and by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That's easy to remember, right? Because you know how beautiful I am. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Again, campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Let's talk a little basketball because it seems like when negative things happen, everybody wants to talk about that. So let's give equal time to when something good happens uh, to basketball. Let's talk a little men's basketball recruiting first. So DJ Jeffries from Memphis has gone into the portal, and that's probably one of the worst-kept secrets in men's basketball recruiting in recent years. A lot of discussion about DJ Jeffries joining the group at Mississippi State, even from the Ole Miss side. Like a week or two ago, there were a lot of rumors that Ole Miss felt really good. I was told back then if, if and when he does go in the portal, it would be Mississippi State over Ole Miss, and Ole Miss wasn't really a factor. I know they wanted to be. I know they, they made an overture and that sort of stuff, but uh, I don't expect them to back off of him, but I do suspect that he is going to be a Bulldog when it is all said and done. Probably happen in the next week to ten days, unless something changes. And that's the thing about recruiting. You know, just when you think you've got it all figured out, something changes. But I think most people feel really good about this. Paul Jones and I have uh, both worked our sources, Gene Swindoll as well. We feel pretty good about where things stand. So next week to 10 days, I think we'll see a decision there. Now, Garrison Brooks, you may recall, former Mississippi State signee Garrison Brooks, signed with Mississippi State, was ultimately let out of his letter of intent. He signed on with North Carolina. He has had a decent career there, but maybe has not lived up to his billing. You may not be aware of this, but Roy Williams from the University of North Carolina has retired. So that's going to change things in Chapel Hill. And so there was a lot of discussion about Garrison Brooks going in the portal. Well, now with a coaching change inevitable there, I think that probably kind of removes all doubt about that. A lot of discussion that if he does go in the portal, and he may not for a few days, may not for a week or more, that if he does, Mississippi State's going to be a very serious factor. His dad, George, of course, on the staff. That's how State was in the mix with him in the first place. And, uh, you know, sometimes I wanted to think, you know, what if Garrison had come on and had Robert Woodard and Reggie Perry to play with? Uh, it's kind of exciting to think about. And so you could get a, a guy, somebody to play to three in Jeffries and then somebody else that could play to four in Garrison and slide total to the five, and all of a sudden you've got a really athletic lineup on the floor. 
DJ Stewart, of course, has entered his name in the NBA draft. He will get feedback. He is not signed with an agent as time doesn't expect to. But certainly if he gets the right feedback, he will, and he'll go ahead and enter the draft. And so he's doing it the right way. But, uh, you know, listen, anytime somebody declares for the draft, even if it's just to get feedback, it's not 100% that they come back. But I believe we're going to have some good news sooner rather than later on the men's basketball front. I think you guys are going to be happy with that. Now, we did get some good news on the women's basketball front, and we needed some, right? I mean, it's it's been negative after negative after negative. You know, we end the season on a negative note. We don't play in the NIT. We have all these transfers. And so, yeah, that's the thing. When you have a transfer, it uh, opens up spots for you to go add transfers as well. So let's take a look here. Uh, Jerkalia Jordan from Tulane joins the Mississippi State women's basketball program. Now, a name that you guys know, Rod Walker, who used to be the preps guy for the Clarion Ledger, legend in Mississippi sports media, reached out to me yesterday and said, hey, this is a great get for Nikki McCray Pinson. Uh, Jordan is the real deal. She can absolutely ball and that she will be somebody that will come in and make an immediate contribution. Uh, I think that's wonderful from a guy that knows what we have here, but also, too, he has seen her play down there. You know, of course, now uh, Rod is down there in New Orleans uh, working, I guess, for the uh, Times Picayune or the advocate, I can't remember which one, but he's down there working in New Orleans. And I hate that, but that's part of the deal. And so here's what Coach Nikki McCray Penson said about uh, Jerkalia Jordan, who is the 2021 American Athletic Conference Freshman of the Year. Uh, Drakeli is a high-character, hard-working, blue-collar player that has proven to be an efficient scorer against multiple defenses. She was a freshman of the year in a competitive conference, and we think she's going to help us both offensively and defensively. She's coming in with the mentality that she wants to win and help us compete for championships. Running some numbers down here, uh, New Orleans native, and the people say, why did she get her two lane? Well, she's from New Orleans. New Orleans native was a seven-time AAC Freshman of the Week recipient and earned Conference Player of the Week honors once. She set the Green Wave single-season freshman scoring record with 450 points on the year behind 24 double-digit scoring performances. Jordan was one of three freshmen in all Division I and recorded three straight games with at least 28 points. Uh, that dog will hunt, right? So defensively, Jordan finished with multiple steals in 19 games, recorded four or more steals five times. The 5'9 guard also posted 18 blocks on the year and had a season-high six steals against Cincinnati. Prior to enrolling at Tulane, Jordan was a standout player at John Curtis High School where she led the team to four consecutive state championships. You heard that right. Four straight state championships, MVP of the contest every year. She was also the 2020 Gatorade Player of the Year in uh, – Louisiana, former five-star recruit and top-ranked player from Louisiana, was 45th nationally according to ESPN. So this is a great get for Mississippi State. Now, a lot of people, when you first say that, well, we're going to need a bunch more. Well, yeah, no duh. But let's celebrate the one we got because there are more coming. And so, you know, why would we want one this this caliber to get lost uh, in the shuffle? And so this is the first of several. There will be several new players added to the roster. Uh, I don't know if they're all going to be of this caliber, but this is a very good get for Mississippi State. You go out and get a point guard that has a scoring mentality. Uh, I like it. 
and this is probably somebody that was too good for Tulane, to be honest with you. And I think that's probably one of the reasons she's looking to go in the portal is to give her a chance to play in a more competitive league and to compete for some bigger and better things. So as difficult as the last couple of months have been for Mississippi State women's basketball, on Thursday, we got a win. And we got a win that's probably going to lead to several more wins because we got a big-time point guard that is already signed. It's not a commitment. She's already signed. It's done. She is now committed to Mississippi State and uh, obligated to Mississippi State because she has signed the National Letter of Intent. So she will be here to begin summer workouts, and we'll get excited about that. There is more good news on the way. Now, the word behind the scene is, is we're done with transfers. Not expected to have any more uh, on the women's side. Of course, you know, Davion Smith entered the portal uh, yesterday, and we weren't ex- Wednesday, and we weren't expecting that. But uh, Ben Howell had to figure it out. But Nikki McRae, of course, goes out and gets a player that, uh, that fits what we want to do. And so I just say let, let's have some balance here. If we're going to jump up and down when something negative happens, let's jump up and down when something positive happens. So we can feel good about this. I think this is a very good get. And I listen, Rod Walker's a guy that I've known forever. I trust Rod. This is a guy that's been around the game for a long time. And if Rod says, man, this girl can really ball, that's good enough for me. Absolutely good enough for me. So it was a huge get for Nikki. And we listen, Nikki needs some huge gets, right? So more to come with all that. We'll give them some time to kind of figure some things out. But it is going to be a very, very busy stretch when it comes to Mississippi State men's and women's basketball recruiting here in the next couple months. Probably a good time to sign up for jeanspage.com. Paul, listen, Paul and Robbie have been all over this transfer stuff. That's one, listen, we talked about it last year. We never, ever, ever just rest in our laurels and say, hey, it'll be okay. Uh, we're out here grinding. We're out here working hard trying to get information uh, for you guys. And I, I think outside of Devion Smith, I think between Paul and Robbie, we have broken the news or announced a transfer on the women's and men's side for everybody. And I give a tip a cap to those guys because you know, that's what we want to do. We don't want you guys to have to go depend on your local newspaper to provide information about Mississippi State. That's our gig. You know, we are very passionate about Mississippi State. Our staff is comprised of people that are all Mississippi State people. And so we feel like all news, good, bad, or indifferent, should come from us first. And so we work very hard uh, to deliver you guys up-to-date and accurate information. And listen, as I tell our guys all the time, even if it's bad news, I think it's it's better received from us than it would be from, said, Clarion Ledger. And that's a newspaper that hadn't always been very kind to Mississippi State, and that's not a shot at any writer up there. I just think it's there is a problem within the culture of the Ledger. It's been that way forever and a day. It doesn't matter who they bring in, whether it be Hugh Kellenberger or whoever, there, there is just something there that is uh, very, very pro-Ole Miss and very anti-Mississippi State. Uh, I can't it, it, I can't be convinced otherwise because I interviewed too many people for Flim Flam that, that basically confirmed my suspicions and had two people say, Steve, it's worse than you even think. So we'll kind of move forward with there. But uh, you know, I've been on my, my, my soapbox about that for a while. But, um, you know, we take a lot of pride in being able to break news and share things with you guys. We want you to be well-informed. That's one of the reasons that we work as hard as we do. Uh, listen, we could just write one or two articles a day and call it a day. That's what most everybody else does. But most days we're writing a dozen or more stories. You know, we go to the baseball game tonight, and uh, you, know, you got your game, you got your your game play by play from me. You've got a quick gamer from Mike Nemeth. You've got the videos from Robbie Falk, and oftentimes a sidebar. And then you've got um, the Q and A from 
Chris Lamonis. And then tomorrow I've got a feature I'm going to be writing about the adjustment that young players have to make on 2-0 and 3-1 pitches, offensively and pitching-wise. You know, what do you do when it's 2-0 count and you're looking dead red fastball as a pitcher? What do you do? Do you give in to the hitter? Do you give him the fastball? Do you make him hit your pitch if you're a hitter? Do you lock in on the fastball? Do you sit soft? And so I talked to Cam James and Christian McLeod about that. I'll run that tomorrow. And the way that I look at that stuff is if it's interesting to me, I think it'll be interesting to you guys. And so it's cool to get their perspective because, you know, sometimes we think we know it all. And sometimes you can talk to somebody and find out that a lot of the nuances to the game that you're not familiar with. So, you know, that, that's the thing I think is important too is that there's just so much to all this. And uh, if it's interesting to me, I feel like it'll be interesting to you guys. Sorry about that. I had a little bit of a technical difficulty there. I think we're good now. But, um, you know, we'll see how this works. I apologize for that. All right, so let's talk a little football stuff before we get out of here. Brought to you by the folks at Portico. And uh, if this didn't modulate in the way that it was before, I apologize. I'm actually going to invest in a newer mic sooner rather than later. So you guys are well aware Portico is uh, one of those companies that uh, is affiliated with Mississippi State people. You guys know as well as I do, there's a, you know, you can trust Mississippi State people more times than not. You know, we're honest people that try to do a good thing and uh, do a good job for you. And uh, that's what you're going to get with Brooks Bryan. Brooks is a guy that a longtime friend of mine, and he'll be a friend of yours. So you need to give Brooks a call today. If you're looking to make your move to Starkville to Golden Triangle, Portico is absolutely the way for you to go. Portico is right here off 12. So let's say, for example, you're coming to Starkville on 82. You turn on 12 like coming towards campus. The very first right is Pat Station Road. When you cross Old West Point Road, that becomes Garrett Road, and that's exactly where your new home would be, right there in the Portico uh, residential uh, development there. Uh, Brooks has shared with me that there are several spots that have already been taken, only a handful left in phase one. So if you're looking to make a move, now is the time to do it sooner rather than later. I think it's important that you go ahead and begin to gather that information because you just never know when things are going to, you know, you may end up having to wait. And so nobody wants to wait when it's time to move into your new home. So give Brooks a call today. Let me give you Brooks's number. Maybe one of those deals too where you, uh, you have some questions about Mississippi State baseball that only Brooks can answer. And listen, I, I trust Brooks, man. I, I've called him before and said, hey, what really happened with this ball game here? Whatever happened to this guy? And he always seems to know. He's always been a good friend to me, and he will be to you as well. So, And here it is. Only six houses left in phase one, or m- maybe five by now. I know there was one that they were, they were dealing with. Uh, second phase dirt work and roads currently being built. Construction second phase will start here in the next several weeks. Give Brooks a call today. You'll be glad you did. Brooks Bryan, former Diamond Dog, 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Let's talk some recruiting here before we get out the door. So, uh... We picked up a commitment here in recent days. Colin Griffin announces, and uh, he is a safety prospect out of Montgomery, Alabama. So you guys have probably been kind of keeping up with that. That's also where Colin Duncan 
is from. Colin, very familiar to you guys, and uh, is really done a good job for Mississippi State. Probably going to play at free safety some this year. Expected to hang on to his starting spot. So Colin Griffin knows Colin, excited about playing together, and because of the fact that Colin Duncan has had a good experience here, it gives Mississippi State a real advantage uh, with him. Colin's a guy that has played some at corner, projects as a safety, and we're looking at his film. I think he's absolutely a safety. And listen, I don't know that he has the foot speed to play corner. And he is a bigger and thicker guy. I think he's probably – he could even grow into you know, an outside linebacker. I think he is certainly a box safety type. But he is a guy that's got some girth to him. Uh, I'm a little concerned, I guess, about top-end foot speed. Now, but listen, that's why was the case of Mark McLaurin, too. Mark wasn't an absolute burner. But uh, he self-reports a 4.5. He started running track this year, runs a 4 by 100 runs 200 meters, 100 meters. Uh, timing in the 12s there in the 100. And so he is there is fast and there's fast enough. He does have game speed. If you watch his tape, he does run away from some people. So I'm not overly concerned about that. But I think that he is a guy, too, because of the fact that there maybe are some concerns that he doesn't have elite speed that probably keeps Alabama and Auburn off of him because they won't have to make those concessions. And that's not to say that he's not capable of playing there. I just think that they're going to be looking for players with different measurables and some better times. Uh, there is not a great number of safeties in the state of Mississippi this year. I guess Wesley Harris over at Heritage Academy is probably your top guy. I don't know there's a lot of guys out there that I look at and say, this guy's definitely a safety. I like Jerry Johnson from Pearl at safety, but I think he really wants to play offensively. And so you look around and think, okay, we've got to go out of state and get us a couple of safeties. This is one of those guys. Tyler Woodard is a name you should remember. Tyler Woodard out of Freedom Prep there in Memphis. This is a guy that Mississippi State has been on for some time. He did not play football last year due to an injury. He is an absolute monster. Final four of Oregon, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Mississippi State. They had the coaching change at Tennessee. That staff's just kind of getting up to know him. Uh, I was told that Oregon was his dream school, but it's just simply too far away from home. But if Oregon was uh, – you know, a state or a couple of states away that he would already be a duck. Darcel McBath and Jason Washington have done a great job recruiting him. I think that that commitment is coming very, 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 very soon. Very soon. And I also think that he is a guy that wants to stay closer to home and have a chance to play in a Southeastern Conference. Now, the only concern would be, is, you know, hey, what if Tennessee, after watching his senior film, decides let's take another swing at this kid, then we could have a fight on our hands. But I think maybe by the time that happens – we're so firmly entrenched there, it's probably okay. I think he is a good early get, and I think he'll do a great job. I've seen this guy in person at a 7-on-7 seven -seven tournament here a few weeks back. I'm very impressed with him, not only as a player, but as a person. Handles himself very, very well. So who else could be next? Well, Horn Lake wide receiver Janoris Hobson uh, saw him in person at the same 7-on-7. Seven -seven. Uh, Steve Wolfong from 247 Sports from our national desk also put in a crystal ball joining myself and Paul Jones, uh, picking him to go to Mississippi State. I believe it is simply a matter of time. Does it happen in April? Probably so. Could happen a little bit later. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, Mississippi State is the clear leader here, and I think that he is a guy that fits exactly what we want to do. I think he's listed at six feet. He's not. He's probably closer to five, nine and a half, five, ten. I compared him basically on Gene's page to Jamion Lewis of Better Speed. Same build, same kind of game, got the same kind of shake, uh, but a little bit better top-end speed. 
And all, he also has that same kind of presence that Jamion has. He just has that leadership quality where you think, you know what, this is a guy that uh, everybody kind of respects and people will rally around him. And so uh, I like the take. I think he is absolutely going to be a Bulldog. I just don't know when it's going to happen. I think it happens here in the next few weeks. I wrote about that yesterday on Gene's page as well. Uh, Trent Singleton is a guy out of Raymond, Mississippi. I, listen, I have liked Trent from the very first time that I saw his tape. And listen, I was kind of late to the party on Trent because I didn't do a lot in the central Mississippi area this year. But once they offered him, I went and watched film. I like his athleticism. He does have some corner tape on film. Maybe he grows into a safety. He's already a pretty big kid. Uh, I think that he is a very talented player. And I understand, too, he has a lot of leadership qualities. Everybody that I spoke to about Trent has no shortage of good things to say about him. He's also a guy that kind of grew up and was excited about getting an offer from Mississippi State and a chance to play closer to home. I think it's just a matter of time before he is a Mississippi State Bulldog. Not exactly sure when it's going to happen, but I probably I would say I would put I would say this. I don't think it makes the semester. I think it's all over and done with before the spring semester is over. I really like Trent. I like the idea of him being a Bulldog. Don Terry Russell, the younger brother of DeMonte Russell, Mississippi State's talented defensive end, former Sam linebacker, has kind of grown into an edge rusher, and we need him there. Don Terry Russell, four-star defensive end in his own right. Uh, this is a matter of time, folks. And uh, I understand, too, you know, DeMonte and his family, very indebted to Mississippi State. You may recall J.P. Purvis and uh, DeMonte were in a car accident along with one of their dear friends, another Mississippi State student from Tupelo. And uh, it could have been much, much worse. But Mississippi State did a great job with DeMonte and his family. And uh, I think that is, number one, you do it because it's the right thing. But I think the families begin to realize, you know what, we can trust these people. And so now all of a sudden they have a second son. It's like, okay, well, now he can go up there and his older brother can look after him. But also, too, the folks in Mississippi State have shown that they can be responsible to look after our children as well. And so I think that really stands out and I think to the fact that Don Terry knows so many of uh, his future teammates that that really helps in the process too and again I think this is simply uh, a matter of time so I think you're going to see State go on a pretty good run here in recruiting in the next few weeks uh, I, I can see Tyler Woodard doing it first I, I expect that to happen and I think once that happens I think you're going to see a really busy April and May now we missed the, the June camps. Now, I don't miss having to go out there for 16, 17 straight days the way Dan Mullen used to do it. I also don't miss having to go out there when it's basically some cattle call and you got 400 kids and nobody's getting meaningful reps. It's just a chance to sell somebody a T-shirt for a couple hundred bucks. But, um, you know, that's just that, that just doesn't work for me. Uh, I like the fact when we have these individual workouts and you bring in maybe a dozen guys or whatever and you work them out and these are bona fide SEC guys and you've got to have those big camps to raise some money. And plus, you never know what's going to happen when you bring those little dogs in and you bring those younger kids in. And then eventually they get a chance to be on your campus. They develop into prospects and say, hey, I went to camp there. I like it at Mississippi State. So you have to do some of that. But we're not going to get the benefit of camps in June, it appears. There is a chance to get some camps in July. Now, what I'm told is it's probably going to be more like what I describe it to be that you're going to be able to bring in your guys that are actually priority guys. They'd be kids that have offers or kids in the process of getting offers. I don't know how you police that aspect of it, but I don't think you're going to have these huge camps where you're bringing 300, 400 kids in there 
and letting them step all over each other and walk around uh, and pay their money and then go home and uh, you know potentially have a COVID event or something like that. I just I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to bring guys in. They will probably have to have a COVID test or a uh, you know a note from their doctor or something like that saying they're negative. You know I, I think there will be some protocols in place to keep everybody safe, but I believe that probably happens in July. There's a lot of people scheduling these official visits in June with the hope that they're going to lift uh, the dead period at the end of the spring semester. And I've said on the show before that I was told even back in the fall, the dead period was expected to run through the academic school year, and then it would basically be reevaluated at the end of May. Uh, that's that's going to happen. But there is no guarantee at this point that official visits are going to happen in June. I see all these graphics, too, and I, I've talked to people who were decision makers in this process, and they tell me, you know what, maybe decision makers is not the right word, but uh, my point being is that there are people that are involved in this process that know a lot more about NCAA compliance and how the how the wind blows than, than the casual fan does. And they tell me, you know, listen, we're hopeful, but um, there's nothing official. You know, we're hopeful these things happen. And even if there are official visits in June, I don't think Mississippi State will like to use them. I wouldn't use them. Because all of a sudden, if you do it in June, you still got to recruit these guys all the way to December. You know, why would you do it in June? Because by the time they get to December and they're taking visits to your competition, your visit has already kind of lost its luster. It doesn't make a lot of sense to use them in June. Uh, and when Mississippi State has done them, it hadn't worked out quite as well for us. And so we'll see how things progress. But I think we all feel good about the way things are trending now. right now with recruiting. I think because of the volume of great prospects in the state of Mississippi, it is going to be a very good class. Mississippi State currently ranked 22 in the country by 247 Sports Composite. And so look for that to continue uh, to grow. And I think because of the strength of this class in state, that state will absolutely sign another top 25 class. So now all of a sudden you're beginning to stack these classes, and that's how you improve your talent level. One of the things that people were worried about when we had all this attrition during the season, they said, well, Steve, are we ever going to get back up to 85? Yeah, we're going to get back up to 85 next year. It's as simple as that. We're going to be a few short this year, but uh, what do we travel, 65? You know, we're going to be fine in that regard, but we're going to be able to sign a full class this year, and some other people aren't because they're not going to have the room. And because of the fact there technically are no seniors this year because seniors are back, but they don't count against your 85, and so there's not as many spots to go around. It's going to, you're going to have a lot more depth this year as a result but you're also not going to have a lot of spots to fill. Mississippi State is. Mississippi State's going to have spots to fill and going to have an opportunity uh, to sign some great players within the state of Mississippi. So, again, look for a top 25 class from Mike Leach. And this is a guy that didn't have one, according to 247 or Scout, uh, throughout his career. Finally gets one last year. We'll have a chance to go two for two in the state of Mississippi and uh, at Mississippi State, excuse me. So we're excited about that. I'm fixing to go to bed. It's been a long day, and I wanted to get this up for you guys because I, I let you down on Monday because I was absolutely exhausted. But now that this poetry book business is behind me for a while, at least all the labor-intensive aspect of it is done, then uh, we can kind of get back on a regular schedule. And so I look forward to being with you guys, and we'll be back out at Duty Noble tonight. And every day that I wake up, knowing I'm going to Duty Noble is a great day. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.